and welcome back to Making It to the Mic, a podcast about how different voice actors got to where they are today. I'm your host, Stephanie Pam Roberts, and this week's guest is Tim Heller. Tim is a voice actor who works in commercials, animation, and more, and he's also super active on social media, creating fun content. Tim's the kind of guy you feel like you know, even when you don't, and his energy and passion for this business will definitely leave you smiling. So let's jump in. Here's my conversation with Tim Heller. Hi, Tim. How are you today? Hello, Stephanie. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, of course. Thank you so much for asking me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So I always like to start every interview by kind of asking the same question, because I think that's, uh, you know, the beautiful thing about this podcast is figuring out everybody's journey and how it's the same and how it's different. So tell us about yours. How did you make it to the mic and what did you do before voiceover? Oh, boy. Okay, I will try to keep this as succinct as possible. Um, So my background is all in theater and musical theater. Um, I went to school for musical theater at Texas State University, and after graduating, I moved to New York City, uh, where I auditioned for shows and did shows around the country and little things in the city and abroad. Since college, I had had some pretty serious back issues uh, that required a couple surgeries and uh, missing a lot of work. And um, in 2018, had a flare-up that was so bad that it required uh, the second of three surgeries. Oh, no. And at that uh, pre-op meeting, the doctors were like, hey, we've kind of finally figured out what's going on, and you really should not be pursuing anything physical uh, ever again. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure, cool, cool. I'm just going to not do uh, (laughs) what I've been training my whole life to do. And uh, I freaked out for like a day or two, and I had just taken a voiceover class with Andy Roth, actually, uh, and kind of caught that bug a little bit. But I, after I freaked out, I just threw all my energy into that, and uh, we were off to the races. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, Maria Pendolino has a similar story about physical limitations starting to creep into her musical theater career and how she had to kind of pivot. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I I know I follow you on Instagram. This sounds so stalkery. I follow you on Instagram and I saw that you had back surgery. (laughs) I am curious, though, like, uh, you know, how that affected your your work and how you were able to kind of use it to your advantage that you really couldn't go anywhere or do anything or how how the recovery was and you know just how how hard that was for you yeah i mean i am generally almost toxically positive i get that vibe (laughs) and uh, um just being a you know a, a guy from the midwest it's uh I have a silver lining syndrome, I'll call it. And I have a tendency to kind of find a silver lining even in the darkest of times. And with all of the time kind of spent laid up, I just, I don't know, I just started thinking about things in a different way. And I was like, you know, I, I feel like the little bit of voice acting I had I had done before that surgery in March of 2018, uh, it really had solidified that this was something I wanted to pursue as a side gig. Uh, with the thought that like, oh, you know, this would be really great if uh, if this turned into something else. And then during that recovery period, I was listening to a bunch of podcasts and really like cranking through Rob Paulson's Talking Tunes podcast and uh, thought, you know, I'm, I'm just going to I'm going to go for it. And and I already was doing a lot of different voices to uh, make people laugh and, and annoy friends and family. And I, I really think that it, it all happened for a reason, you know, 
And, and I feel like if this is the silver lining that was intended for me by the universe, by God, whoever you believe in or whatever you believe in, um, that this is the big reason why. Um, and I felt like I started being able to like find some joy again and take some creative agency back in the pursuit of my creative career where I felt like in musical theater, I kept being told that I needed to fit in these boxes that I just didn't fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, based on or based on the way I look, by the way I sound. You know, I like when I moved to New York, I was told, oh, you know, wait 10 years and you're going to age into your type and, and you'll be booking like crazy. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, you know, like, what do I do until then? Like, <laughs> it's New York City. It's expensive. I didn't realize how much that had kind of affected me and created this a, a little bit of resentment towards theater and musical theater and the lack of creativity that was happening, um, not by casting directors necessarily, but by the, the people uh, paying everybody, you know? I, I started just doing more voices. I started learning more about the business side of things and auditioning. Uh, when I was able to sit upright, I started auditioning more seriously on Voices.com and like really throwing myself at it and um, trying to soak up as much as possible. Yeah. I think that so many of us that started in musical theater, myself included, you know, we have such bright visions and, you know, you grew up doing theater as a kid and you really think you're going to make it and you get to New York and you realize that it is it is commercial. It's about different things than what you thought or didn't really even know about. Yeah. Um, And I think for me, too, it was like, oh, my gosh, I cannot do this on my own. Like, I can't produce a full scale musical on my own. So. What else can I do? And I and I I so identify with what you're saying about having that creative agency. Like I love that with voiceover, I can do anything at any time. I can just jump in my booth whenever I want, or I can, you know, audition for any project at any moment and have that freedom instead of waiting and waiting and waiting. Like, you know, is today the day that there's going to be an audition for me? Or I'm not sure. Or <laughs> I've got to wait in line at 5:30 in the morning in the freezing cold. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm I'm nice and toasty in here. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I got really sick of that probably more early on than I should have. Is the uh, is the waiting in line? I was like, this is not really an effective use of my day. Right. <laughs> I I I got seen, and even on the days that I'd get a call back, I, I was like. <laughs> This is not fun for me. Right. And I'm not going in singing something I really like to sing. I'm not showing off my personality. I'm I'm literally just checking a box for them. And so I felt like with with all of this I started um more recently I've been like making stupid short, you know, reels on Instagram and TikTok and and rediscovering that love of storytelling in that way as well. And so it's um, and, and, and helping other creative friends find ways to find creative agency, you know? And, and it's, yeah, I just, I feel like it's brought me so much joy, um, and, and completely unexpectedly as well. And I've started teaching my, my school brought me back. Carnegie Mellon brought me in to teach a little bit. And like, it's just been, it's such a wonderful and unexpected journey. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned um, your Instagram and, and TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. I can't commit to another social media platform, but <laughs> totally I do love, 
I do love Instagram and I love how active you are. I love that you post stuff that's like funny and entertaining. So yeah, talk a little bit more about that. Like, you know, everybody gets so bogged down in all the minutia of running a voiceover business and like, what do I post on social media? And I feel like your social media is very you. It's very free. That's why I felt like when I reached out to you, I already knew you because your social media is very fun and and upbeat. And so, yeah, I'm curious like what your thoughts are on that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that you've you've been watching that and been enjoying it. It is a blast for me to make. And it it all kind of started last year. I realized how much I was consuming because I had another I had another like huge back surgery last year to kind of fix everything. And so I was just on my phone or playing Nintendo or watching TV. I was just consuming, consuming, consuming. And just I I felt kind of empty with it. I was like, I'm not like really enjoying as much as I like it, the stuff that I'm consuming as much as I, I feel like I should. And I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm paying the bills, I'm paying rent and I'm with, with voiceover stuff, but I'm just not like, there's, I, this isn't the only thing I want to be doing. And I just made the commitment at the beginning of this year to say, you know what, screw it. I'm, I'm just going to make an, att- I'm going to make an attempt to make a video a day, if not more, or the equivalent of that by the end of this year, which, you know, is is a seemingly unrealistic goal. But what that did was it just kind of gave me permission to just make stuff and start throwing pasta at the wall. And I think Gary Vee, I saw a video of his recently where he said, you have, first you have to make it shitty before you can make it great. And so it Brene Brown talks about that too, the shitty first draft. Yes, yes. And it was like and and speaking of Brene Brown, like a huge fan of FFTs. So like I've had so many FFTs in the past two years. We all have had so many FFTs in the past two years. But I've really had to kind of pivot and just kind of reassess things in my own day to day. I just committed to making a couple of videos. And so I was like, you know, no matter what it is, if I'm thinking about something, I'm just going to film it. If I think of something goofy, I'm working from home full time. I have the resources available because I have a phone that has a great camera on it. I've got my little setup. I'm going to teach myself Final Cut. I'm going to teach myself how to do things better and, and have fun doing it. And then thinking of it like from a business standpoint, I whenever I have been consistent in the past, uh, with posting and creating stuff or like last year I had a TikTok that went mildly viral and like job opportunities come out of it. Right. So it's just that matter of really being in the practice of making that is really important to me this year. And I feel like the first quarter of this year, the first half of this year is really devoted to that. And then from that, uh, who knows? You know, I'm just I'm reaching out to brands and being like, hey, I I featured your product or in the video that I made when I was visiting my family. I'm like riding a skateboard, nothing but a, a swimsuit and like a Russian sauna cap. Or it's a Turkish sauna cap and I get snow thrown at me and I shotgun a LaCroix. But I was only wearing Blundstones and a swimsuit on a skateboard and I tagged Blundstones and they they uh, wrote to me and I or they commented and I wrote to them and you know, I'm now I'm in a Blundstone affiliate and I'm I'm making a, some content for them at the end of the at the end of this month. And they sent me a free pair of boots. So you never know where it's going to go. That's amazing. I feel like that's the dream, you know, like when you make a video like that, that somebody sees it and, you know, makes a connection and, and gets you something from that, you know, some sort of business opportunity. And you never know where that might lead in voiceover, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's just with um, 
with every video I make and every, I don't know, what every day that goes by this year, I feel like I'm just becoming more and more my genuine self again. And, and I'm turning 30 at the end of April. And the closer I get to 30, the more myself I'm feeling. And uh, it just is, it, it, I don't know, it feels good. There's a certain le- level of, I, I don't know if, if I'm allowed to swear on this podcast. Yeah. There's a really healthy dose of fuck it happening right now <laughs> that I'm just trying to bask in as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, and I think especially in this in this business and throughout the pandemic, it's been, you know, more and more and more people joining the voiceover industry and getting into it or transitioning while there's no theater and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like it's just a healthy way to to go and to be in the industry at this point is like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to gonna experiment. I'm going to audition for this thing. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to post this stuff on TikTok and whatever, because, you know, I think everyone's just trying to find their place now. Yeah. Yeah. And there's and there's really no excuse except for fear and resistance, which is very real and very hard to fight through and push through. Uh, there's no really excuse not to be making something, you know, and it doesn't have to be like uh, nobody watches my crap on TikTok and like I've got my following on Instagram and I love it because people are engaging and it's like even if one person it, or I mean it is those people that will reach out to me and say hey you don't know me but I'm one of like the hundred people who watch your TikTok and I love what you make and I want you to keep making it so please like just know that at least one person is watching I'm like oh my god hell that. yeah great then I'll make another video why not Right, right. And it's and it is a practice, you know, practice exercising that creative muscle. And you do so much that's um, in the genre of character work and video game things and trailers and stuff like that. So I, I love that you're using it as a, a way to, to practice and put yourself out there, too. Thanks. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. So I want to backtrack a little bit and I'd love for you to talk about um, did you have a home studio when you first started or what was when did you build your first home studio and kind of what that, you know, what that looked like for you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when I first started, I did not have it like a studio studio set up. Um, I had a raspberry mic from Blue and I was auditioning. I just love this so much. I love hearing about booth stories from people because I was so like, I need to get like a booth set up so quickly. And then I booked my first TV and radio spot for using this little uh, blue raspberry USB mic, a uh, fleece blanket, some pillows, a dish towel on a desk. And then uh, I put the microphone inside of a Beats headphone case that I had stuffed with other dish towels. (laughs) <laughs> to try to isolate it. This is very creative. It was, I was paranoid. I was like, okay, this is my first job. I got to nail this. And it went well. Um, but yeah, so that was technically like my first booth fort setup situation. But then um, after I did that job, I was like, okay, cool. That paid me enough to get some stuff to make this a little less agonizing. And so I, um, I set up in a little three by three closet that we had in the hallway in our apartment in Queens and slowly added on things from there and ultimately was able to like deck it out and put a monitor up and um, it was just it was nice it was I love it and I think so fondly of working in that closet 
even when it was winter and I was sweating my ass off um, because our apartment was right above the boilers. So no matter what, it was always super, super hot. But yeah, so it's, I don't know, something I always tell students when I work with them or anybody getting into voiceover is, is grow as you go. So you're not dumping all this money that you may not have or on things that you may not need yet or don't know how to use yet, but really enjoying the process of things. And I look back on this whole journey so far sound like I'm on The Bachelor, on my journey. <laughs> I um, And I just, I love every bit of it. Every mistake I've made, every uh, <laughs> silly setup I've made while traveling and each little booth iteration. And you don't live in New York City anymore, right? Yeah. So in October of 2020, we, uh, my wife and I moved back down to Austin, Texas. She's from Texas and the college that we went to is just south of here. So we um, when we were dating in college, we would come up to Austin all the time. And I've got family friends who have lived here for a long time. So it was a kind of a, a nice move for a change of pace. And the initial intent was to be here for 18 to 24 months and continue out to L.A. because mm. uh, of my work. And we both wanted to do some more on-camera stuff. Uh, but then after a couple of months here, we just loved how much cheaper it was to exist here Mm -hmm. and started looking at the housing market and as crazy and like cuckoo bananas it is down here we ended up being able to buy a house just outside of austin city limits and um now this is home base you know and we're just going to figure out the rest because we just love being here that's awesome um so what is your home studio now so now i am in one of the extra bedrooms in the house um, we're coming to you live from halfway in, halfway out of the closet. And it's, uh, I've got like accordion doors on the closet. So I opened those up and I hung some curtains with some acoustic foam over those. And then I've got, um, the desk is pushed into the closet. That's about like two feet deep. And I've got two monitors on the desk that are plugged into my, uh, laptop. So I've got three screens and then I've got my mic and my interface all plugged in on a shelf and my headphones, And then I've got uh, the GIK Acoustics uh, portable isolation booths. I have two of those behind me to kind of like wrap me in. And uh, my father-in-law is actually an ENT. So when they were redoing his audiology booths, he gave me all of the extra acoustic treatment that they had. So I've got a couple of one by four acoustic panels uh, above me to kind of kill some of the bounce on the ceiling. And then a giant acoustic blanket over that just for uh, security because the windows in the house are from the 80s in single pane and super thin. So, um, And then we're planning on uh, soon here building a soundproof studio in the backyard just so that I can walk in. I don't have to have any kind of uh, booth. The whole building will be the booth. It'll be soundproof uh, and just like a creation station for my work and videos and whatever else creative may come down the line. That sounds amazing. How cool. I love that. So during the pandemic, or I guess through the move from, you know, going from living in New York City to living outside of New York City with a little pandemic thrown in, how did you feel like your career changed or did it because or did it not change, I guess, because of the pandemic? So actually, and and I just want to do a quick privilege check on my own behalf here when I say this is that I, I just feel so lucky that I, you know, my business kind of took off. Same, yeah. At the beginning of the pandemic because everything was shut down. 
I that was something that I wanted to make sure that as I was experiencing that, especially with friends on Broadway and in TV and in film and in the medical field and, you know, everything that really shut down or ramped up in, for all of the, you know, the the kind of tragic reasons, um, that that was something that I was I never took for granted. Um, but I took the time that I had uh, not working my other job in the city to really uh, double down on trying to market myself. And um, my agents at Innovative Artists actually contacted me because I was one of just like a couple people that they had on their roster in New York that had a home studio set up. Mm. Um, and so uh, <laughs> a big way that my, my career changed was I started teaching and helping people get set up with home studios. Um, I started teaching uh, all of my film and TV and Broadway friends how to start in voiceover and um, really try to tried to create a, a course outline that was based off of all of the red flags that you see in in voiceover courses and how to like really like cut through the bullshit and and really focus on what actually happens and what this looks like and and also with the disclaimer of like this is what worked for me it may or may not work for you go out and ask as many questions as you can and my goal as like a teacher or a coach is not to have you keep coming back to me, but to, you know, give you these tools, send you off. And if you feel like you need my perspective on things, you can come back. But like really encourage people to go out and 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 be curious and learn and fail forward and all of that stuff. And then also setting up like TV and film actors studios remotely. <laughs> and so that was using kind of my background in tech uh, to to coach people through all of that. Oh, my gosh. And then you made a voiceover course, right, for beginners? I did. Yeah. So I when we moved down to Austin, I saw that a couple of friends from college, they had started a video production company. And a friend of mine in New York had actually uh, really encouraged me to create a course around voiceover when I got down here, um, just as like a side income stream. I ended up making it because I had so many people coming to me asking about how to get started that I was like, I need something where I'm not saying the same thing for six hours straight to like 10 different people. I, I created the course as a way to get like a base level of knowledge for everybody who wanted to start learning about how to get started in voiceover so that when they came to me, the the session was really like personalized and really we could dive deep on what they wanted to do where they were specifically at in their specific situation look at their closet and tailor a studio setup to to their space i i really didn't market it at all because i really the last thing i wanted was to create something where it was popping up on people's social media being like hey guys how would you like to learn how to get started in voiceover and make six figures in one year like i never never wanted to be associated with any of those kind of people so i just i sat on it and just recently realized like that's kind of a waste because it's high quality video and I put a lot of heart and a lot of work into it. And um, it's kind of funny timing that we bring this up is just like I'm trying to to relaunch it again in a different way to just really like get a larger group of people that are interested in voiceover because I'm still getting these requests and just trying to do a live course altogether over the course of a couple weeks. That's great. I'll definitely link to it in the show notes so people can check it out. So where do you find most of your work? I know you mentioned you were with an agent. Do you have multiple agents? Do you do direct marketing? Are you someone who is never done direct marketing? Where where does your work kind of come from? Pay to plays? Yes. I mean, it's a mix of everything. Um, I feel like, you know, I started out on pay to plays 
and then was able to convert some of those into repeat clients, which I feel really fortunate for the clients that I've been able to carry with me since the beginning. One of my regular clients in New York I found on Indeed when I was living there. During the pandemic, uh, Tom Aglio, who I I imagine you're familiar with as well, uh, he did like a free little like direct marketing workshop for everybody in VA NYC. And I attended that and then I just went ham. You know, I picked a city every day while, while we were shut down and sent out hundreds and hundreds of emails. And I look back now, I'm like, oh God, these were awful to receive, I'm sure. But uh, I was able to convert, you know, and as as much as I hate doing that kind of stuff now, um, a lot of the clients that I've reached out to during the pandemic, or a handful of them, are um, people who keep bringing me back. There are a couple of jobs every year from my agents, um, and I, I love being with them simply because I feel like I get real feedback. I feel like they give a damn, mm. and I can call the lead agent at Innovative and just be like, all right, like, give me some feedback. Why am I not booking? Or like, hey, okay, I've had a couple of things in a row here. Like, let's, can we pinpoint like what exactly I'm doing well and how to keep this momentum going? And they have, it's not just like, oh, you're doing great, darling. You're wonderful. Yes. Or just wait for your time. It's like really pointed feedback. That's great. Which is great. And and the best agent situation I've had across the board in, in the whole entertainment industry. I think we forget that, you know, that they're just as much on our team and working for us as we are on their team. And that if we don't book anything, then they also don't earn commission and get paid. So it's, you know, it's absolutely it's like a back and forth relationship. But I feel like we as voice actors or actors in general, I think sometimes are just like, oh, my agent, they're scary or I don't know how to reach out to them or I'm not quite sure what to say or it's not going how I wanted, and then you're just you feel stuck. But yeah, I, I I feel like that's important to to remember that they're on your team and you can reach out to them, and they they probably want you to just to check in and say hi, and you know not bother them, of course, but just check in. Right, and it, and it is a scary new relationship, right? You you hear the word agent, and it's like, oh my god, they're gonna get me my big break. Yes, let's go. And it's rarely that for people. When it is that for people, it's super exciting. Something I had to remember going into the meeting with Innovative because I had emailed them. They got back to me so quick that I thought that couldn't possibly have thought like that I emailed them. And I had to remind myself, you know what? No, this is a relationship where I am also going to be interviewing them. With this meeting, I went in and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just be confident. What if I just try to feign confidence and... I went in and they ended up being the kindest people that I had met <laughs> and just like genuinely interested in me and what I wanted to do. And so all of that uh, fluffing of the feathers really was for nothing because um, they just ended up being lovely people. So through, I guess, through your agents or just in general, what, what, where do you sort of see yourself in terms of genres? Do you mostly do commercials, animation, and is there a favorite that you have or one that you wanted to work more in that you haven't quite yet? Yeah. So from the lens of work I get from my agents, it's mostly commercial. Um, a couple of industrial spots here and there. Uh, but I've gotten to audition for a lot of cool animation stuff that is mostly just being cast in, you know, locally in L.A. For, to be in studio. But then like the stuff I've been doing recently has been 
uh, audiobooks. I've randomly, I've put no effort into trying to audition for audiobooks because I was like, this is a long audition time and the return on investment of sitting down to audition for this project is not nearly as high as um, like a commercial spot would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I focused on commercials and animation uh, for the longest time, but I've had a couple of really wonderful audiobooks fall into my lap that I've really um, enjoyed doing. Um, and then animation I work in almost weekly with a studio in Brooklyn and it's really I'm finding that I really would love to at some point I'd love to really take the next step for animation at forward you know like and the next step being not not being that I'm like not happy or ungrateful for the work I'm doing with this studio but really like being in a setting where I get to be in studio with people and and doing something I don't know, fun. Like I'd love to go to cons and stuff like that and, and meet people face to face, but I'm, I'm so happy just working and it's really been kind of eclectic and I've had a really wonderful go of things to be able to kind of work in most genres at least once or twice a year. That's awesome. When people ask, you know, what's your favorite or what are you working on or what is, you know, what's your niche? I'm like, shit, I don't know. I think, you know, I'm four and a half years into this. I'm a year and a half into being completely full-time, full-time. And I, I, I'm still discovering new things. And I'm, I'm trying to not put a lot of pressure on it and just stay curious and say yes to what I can responsibly and, and, and just show up for whatever and whoever needs me. Yeah, I think that's such a cool thing about voiceover, too, that's a bit different than musical theater. You know, with musical theater, it's kind of a little more predictable in some ways, you know, knowing the show, knowing the roles and what you mm-hmm. might be right for, mm-hmm. unless it's a brand new work. But voiceover can be really fun and unpredictable. And I can push myself in different ways to try a type of read or a genre I've never done before or, you know, don't have much experience in. And then I love the the consistency, too, that there are certain things that you're like, yep, got it. OK, I know what this is. I know what this is supposed to sound like or I know what this is. It's that comfort that you find after that only comes with time yeah. and practice yeah. and, and failing forward and making a fool of yourself. But it's I love I don't I, I would love to hear if you've had this experience before, too, of like the things that come in that are so outlandish that you're like, there's no way that I will book this spot. But you know what? Let's send it and see. Like I had uh, an IHOP spot to be a werewolf and in the same day had a spot to voice match Adam Devine for. Um, a pitch for a Super Bowl commercial and ended up booking them both. And it, and it was, I think it was because it was, because I, I was like, the stakes are so low because this is, I like, I have to be a werewolf and Adam Devine. That how, that's so great. That's so hilarious. Right. I'm not going to get this. And then it's when your guard is down like that, or at least for me, I've, I've found that when my guard is down like that and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to have fun and say, fuck it and forget it. But what about you and your experience with that, uh, stuff like that? Yeah, I, I do feel like the less the less invested I am, in a way, the more success I seem to have. I'm not like internalizing it in a, in a way. Then those are the auditions that I send off or I listen to back and I'm like, mm, I could book this one. This one sounds pretty good. But it's the auditions that I like hem and haw over and really get into where I'm like, oh my, I get hung up on one spec or I get hung up on like, oh my God, this is a $10,000 job. I must book this. And all of a sudden it's like, then I'm done. Yes. Oh, I've had to ask them to stop sending me emails with numbers in it. And I'm like, that sounds like such a diva thing to do, but I'm like, Hey, can you guys like, is there any way, any way? And I know you send out a ton of emails, but if you think of it, 
can you just take how much I could potentially get paid out of here? Because I see that. And then I fantasize my entire week around making $25,000 for a non-union spot or whatever it may be. And it just, and then, and then I'm wrecked when I, you know, me, one of, you know, a million people that auditioned for this and another like (laughs) guy next door doesn't book it, you know? Right. Well, how do you approach auditioning? I feel like you, you seem to me like someone who really does go in there and like give it your all and then like let it go. But I imagine that there's, you know, there's, I wonder what your approach is in, in those moments when you're approaching a script and, you know, whether or not you know what the number is, you know, when you get a script that you feel like, man, this is solid, I could totally book this. What's your approach? I I really try. So when I get a script that I feel like is so solid and like so up my alley and like I got this in the bag, I try to flush that out of my head as fast as possible and just go in and and have fun with it. And when I was auditioning in studio in New York, I feel like I did really well just because I I feel like I take direction well and I'm able to improv and and have fun with people in in the booth live. And so now where it's 100 percent remote for me because I'm (laughs) can't get can't get downtown very easily. I really try to look at it and I think of like, okay, what's the point of view on this? What kind of commercial is this? What other commercials have they done? And I try not to spend a lot of time on it at all um, and just send it in, you know, and and really try to sit back. Um, a trick I use for commercials specifically is if I'm feeling stuck or I just want to develop perspective on it really quickly is I'll think, okay, there are three main types of commercials. There's we're the best and we know it. Our product versus their product and the solution to your problem. So I'll just pick one and I'll try the spot like that. And if it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, then I'll just keep that take. And then I'll send it off and and let it go and adjust for the next take. But I, I do try to just send it off and forget it. Which is easier said than done. Again, it just takes practice. And, and the busier you are, and I've been very fortunate to be to be really busy lately, that I'll usually be <laughs> auditioning on a break. And so I want to get it done, uh, get it done well, but get it done quickly uh, so that I can actually take a break and then get back to work. I like that. I've never, I've never thought of it that way. I know um, there's different ways of thinking like about the sort of archetype character that you are Mm -hmm. or you know that kind of that kind of approach but I like that I like that sort of it really kind of does put it into three separate categories and you already know what that sounds like in your head from watching other spots on tv yeah and it's and it's not an absolute right it's not going to be that every spot is one of those or a mix of two of those and there are other types of commercials too if we look at it and break it down but it just it helps when i'm feeling stuck or i've been reading all day or i've been speaking all day or on the on zoom with people all day and my brain's kind of fried i'm like all right how can i give a quick caffeine shot metaphorically to my brain right now to make this spot engaging mm-hmm. um and then like with animation stuff it's uh, that takes a longer time to to prep i i really try to be specific and i really try to make sure that i'm like really jumping into that character uh, and taking into account as much as possible with the script while still still not dwelling on it and, and <laughs> banking the rest of my career off of it. Yeah. For the animation stuff, do you have kind of a bank of characters that you can pull from and sort of then um, adapt to what is needed? Or do you sort of start from scratch with every different audition? So I, <laughs> I, I should probably develop a bank of characters that I give names to. There's a lot of voices in my head that go on. And and so 
the way that I kind of look at it is, and this is going to sound so weird and so abstract, so please let me know if we need to go back and, and, <laughs> and do this again more clearly. But I look at it like if if you're looking at my uh, like my bust uh, from the profile, and there's an x-axis all the way down and a and a y-axis all the way across, or vice versa, whichever one is which, and there's four quadrants. And there's like quadrant one is like by my forehead and my nose. Quadrant two is my like chin and my neck. Quadrant three is the back of my neck. And then quadrant four is like way back up in the back of my head. I, I like to think of my voice as a little light. And as I'm manipulating different muscles and changing the uh, resonating chambers in my head, and that's, I get different characters and different voices come out. And so if we're, you know, if we're moving all the way up into uh, quadrant one, it's way up here. And then we can, you know, play with pitch right there and, or like, well, go a little bit higher. But even then it kind of moves back into quadrant four a little bit. And it's, it, it is a totally weird, abstract way of looking at it. But I, I found that I needed to develop some kind of visualization or some kind of system when I started doing like 20 to 30 characters on, uh, on a couple different shows. And I'm doing an audiobook right now that has... I'm narrating all of the male identifying characters and I have to, re- and it's a five book series. And so I have to remember all of these characters. And so when I create a recording to kind of catalog the voices, I also make a mental note of like, oh, that's, that's this sensation or this quadrant or this part of that quadrant and um, kind of adjust like that. But does that make any sense? Yes. And I love that. And I have like my characters that I do, like like all the family guy characters I can whip out or like celebrity impressions I can do. But when I'm really trying to come up with something unique or I have like or I've used those in as a character or something like that or can't use something that sounds like somebody in a show or in a book and need to come up with something unique, then I'll 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 take that or I'll take a reference that I have of somebody famous or a voice that's famous and then put it in a different quadrant and see how that goes and just try to play and make sure that it's also sustainable and not going to rip my cords up. (laughs) Yeah. But if it does, you have an ENT in your family and that is pretty cool. My best friend is is a speech language pathologist at an ENT's office. So whenever I'm like something has gone wrong or something feels tired or strained, I'm always like, do, 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 Andrew help. Oh my gosh. My father-in-law's name is Andrew too. That's amazing. I'll text him. I'm I'm like, Hey, Andrew, I know I'm probably just stressed and the allergies are always bad in Texas, but like, just tell me I don't have a node. Tell me I'm okay. (laughs) He's like, Tim, you're just stressed. Yeah, he's a very patient man. Last season, I did all people behind the mic and Andrew was actually one of my guests. So if you're interested in vocal health and vocal therapy and things like that, I'll put the link in the show notes so you can go back and, and listen to that episode as well. I would love that. So I know you've mentioned like impressions and voice match, and I'd love to know more about like that like how did you I know you said just to make your family members laugh but um you know for impressions and voice matches is that something you get asked to do often and kind of what your what your process is with those I I it honestly started out as like a little kid impersonating Mike Myers and Austin Powers when I snuck snuck to a friend's house and watched it and um Jim Carrey was my first person I would uh impersonate actually my parents have said that when I was like eight months old, they left me in a crib and Beavis and Butthead were on TV and they started laughing and I started mimicking that as an eight month old. So I think that's my actual first, um, (laughs) first impression logged. It's hard to say, like, I just started doing it. Uh, I think more seriously, like as I was growing up watching cartoons, I'd hear voices and just start talking to myself and, and wondering, I want like asking myself the question, like, what does it feel like to sound like them and to make that noise? And I wonder if I can do that. And so I just 
try to figure it out. And then I started doing more voice match at the beginning of the pandemic with this animation studio because they needed somebody to come in and do ADR. And I had sent them like a this not wonderful, but homemade uh, animation scratch demo I, I made and put on my site. And they're like, hey, you sound like you've got a pretty wide range. Can you do this voice? And I sent it back and, and they're like, yep, you can. Great. Uh, you're hired. And I, and I don't feel like I'm any kind of savant when it comes to voices. I'm not like a Jim Meskimen or um, uh, and Lucas Arnold on, on TikTok is so great at, at all those different voices as well. But uh, it really starts with the curiosity of like, what does it feel like when they talk? And then a lot of really terrible, inaccurate impressions. And you got to find like an in. Um, I, I got cast to do David Spade's voice in a Hotel Transylvania game for uh, VR and watched... <laughs> watched Emperor's New Groove like three times in a row one night before I had to record like a, a 12 page uh, 12 page packet of just my cues for this game and I still don't have a great David Spade but my in was going <laughs> and like finding his laugh and then like you have that and that kind of oh yeah you know it kind of sets you up and then you and then you can just kind of figure it out from there and you know I've gotten a couple voice match auditions here and there and it's uh, some I book, some I don't. And it's, it's more about the play for me and, and being like, oh, cool. Like it's the people with like the really definitive voices like Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, uh, you know, those are, those are easy to do because there's a definite launching off point. But when people ask <laughs> at work in New York all the time, I'd have people ask like, can you do my voice? I'm like, uh, I mean, theoretically, yeah, sure. Why not? But I mean, not to say that you have a uh, like a normal voice or a boring voice, but it's just kind of like I have to really listen to find the defining features of it, and then and and you break down speech patterns and uh, you know growing up singing and playing instruments, I think of it musically as mm-hmm. well, um, and try to think of like okay, what's their cadence? What's their pitch range that they're using? Like, what does this look like if I were to put this on uh, on a staff? Oh, I love that. I love that transferable skills when you realize like oh you know this instrument that I used to play when I was a kid or you know my musical theater training like ugh, I probably won't use that in voiceover but we do we use it all the time even if we don't really realize it all of a sudden you're like oh I'm I'm mm-hmm. breaking this down in total musical terms and and I love that you know that's still in there and what I'm doing a lot right now in animation is matching foreign language wavelengths and so I'll get uh like an Arabic uh wave file and plug it in and then have to match flap uh, to a foreign language. And so if you can match even just like the cadence without speaking any Arabic uh, and listen to it musically, then I can like listen to it once and then lay it down and match the waveform exactly. And it's just, it is that transferable skill of of, of music and, and things that um, you just, you never know if you need again. I always, and another thing I always tell students and people who are interested in voiceover is, Take what works for you and use it and then save the rest for later instead of taking what works and using it and tossing out the rest because you never know what you may need or find useful in the future. Yeah. I booked one voice match thing and I booked it literally. The audition came in like the next day after I had done this huge two-day intensive on voice matching with Ned Lott, who's an amazing teacher. Mm -hmm. The timing couldn't be better. Like I literally have my notes. I've just like fresh off this class. And that's this literally the reason I booked it. If that audition had come in months later, like I probably would have been close, but I don't know that I would have booked it. But having that training so super, super fresh made it, you know, I was it was so accessible. 
Yeah, it's, I don't know, like for the Adam Devine thing, that I, I always feel like I, I get booked on the voice match stuff that I feel like I did not do great, but it's fun. And it's and it's one of my favorite parts of this job is you never know what you're, what the next gig, most fun and most terrifying parts of this job is that you never know what the next gig is going to be or what somebody may think of you for. But yeah, it's all these, all these things that I, I honed in on when I was in high school, my friends were out partying and I was just kind of waiting to get to drive to pick them up whenever they texted me. I'd just like be home. I'd like taught myself to dance and do these voices. And I'm like, oh, all of these like lonely tricks are coming back and and proving to be fruitful. So (laughs) yay me, self high five. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, I would love to know what your favorite piece of advice is for voice actors who are just starting out. I know you said you've been teaching a lot of classes and working with a lot of new people. So what's what's a piece of advice you have? So many nuggets and who knows if they're actually useful, but I I really feel like just go out and play. Like, don't be afraid to fail forward and and really commit to it. You know, whatever you're going to do, commit hard, make a choice and 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 stick to it, Um, whether that's in like you're going to commit to upgrading one piece of equipment or you're going to take one class specific to what you want to get into. Just. Be curious and explore as much as you can. I love that. Well, thank you so much. I feel like this was such a great chat about a lot of different areas of the industry. So thank you for sharing all of that with us. Yeah, thank you for having me and and talking with me and listening to my ramblings. And this has just been lovely. I feel like I I know you even though we've never met. (laughs) I know. I know. That's the beauty of the voiceover industry is is you really do feel like you get to know people through Facebook and Instagram and conferences and things like that. And, And then... You realize, like, I've actually never spoken to this person, but, you know, you, f- you feel like you've got common ground, too. Yeah, it just it will make that the day that we can all meet in person again even sweeter. I love what Tim said about making stuff and just being brave and putting yourself out there. Even if social media isn't your thing, you could apply that same thought to auditions or playing around with character voices to keep yourself feeling creative and inspired. And the way he thinks about creating character voices was so interesting and a technique I've never heard before, so I definitely want to practice that for myself. If you'd like to learn more about Tim and watch his videos, I'm linking his website and socials in the show notes, which you can find at my website, makingittothemic.com. Please make sure you follow or subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening so you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much for listening, and here's a little preview of next week's episode. I am incredibly abundant in every single area of my business because I decided to honor myself and what I really wanted. That's next time on Making It to the Mic.